0: On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses yes's, Keys to Ascension, and Open Your Eyes. Hi, and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music Discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Bo player, on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends J.G. Virgilio, Paul Zotter, Tom Corcoran, and Ken Gregory, as we continue on with the Yes Catalog. This episode, covering Keys to Ascension, Keys to Ascension 2, and Open Your Eyes. Gentlemen, welcome to the palaver this evening, and we have, we have really set the table for ourselves tonight. We, we are going to attempt to cover Talk, Keys to Ascension, Keys to Ascension 2, and Open Your Eyes, which really, when you sit back and think about it, amount to three vastly different interpretations of yes music all at once. Um, there are some common themes that run through this, as we've been discussing in the in the offline chat for the last week or so. Um, a lot of vocal tracks on these, a lot of reverb going on. Um, you know, so so there there are those sorts of things in common, but you know this this is this is different. In Keys to Ascension, we have the return of Rick Wakeman and. You know the 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 quote-unquote classic lineup although we can talk a little bit about that as well and then in open your eyes we sort of turn the corner and bring in billy sherwood officially after a couple of sort of near misses with him joining the band suddenly he's sort of front and center with with this and i think you know each one of these and, and and we'll consider keys to ascension as sort of a single unit because they were all the the live tracks from those two albums were ultimately released as Key Studio, so it it, it really counts as as three albums in in my mind. But but these are these are different.
1: Okay, nineteen ninety four through uh, nineteen ninety seven is a huge chunk of time, and we've already done it starting with Brave and, and other albums. So we could probably just you know go through the uh, essentials. Uh, pretty quickly. Progressive Rock during this period is, is 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 partially wonderful for us, but it's foreboding as Progressive Rock dissolves before our very eyes. nineteen ninety four. Yes as talk simultaneous with Marillions brave. We are thrilled. Uh, Pink Floyd had the division bell. Um, Queen's Reich had promised land, so I guess they they, they were still in the game you could say. Uh, Porcupine Tree is just ripping in this period, as well as Asia has uh, aria. Lots, lots of things are happening in 1994. Um, we're not actually discussing a 1995 album tonight, but uh, Merillion's of Sunlight must be mentioned. Um, it, 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 it's really okay. Porcupine Tree is, is productive. King Crimson even has something. Pinkfoot has pulse. All sorts of things are going on. And then 1996. OK, Russia has a test for Echo, um, which we're not necessarily too thrilled about. Who um, uh, sure isn't thrilled
2: about it? <laughs> <laughs> Me? Me?
1: <laughs> oh, man. A por- porcupine tree is just rocking. They, they, they can't have a year go by without releasing something. Now, this is uh, 96 uh, uh, Keys to Ascension. Um, just, just, just pretty good. Asia has arena. It, it, it's, it's, still happening. So, so ninety seven takes us to Keys to Ascension two, plus Open Your Eyes, <clears throat> and at this period, um, Queens Reich here in the now frontier, they've they've totally jumped the shark. Mm. And Genesis, <laughs> Genesis has Calling All Stations, which you could say is is jumping a different kind of shark. Uh, porcupine tree Hey,
0: one, hey, one, you slow that roll. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. That um, album has Jay's cousin on it. Wow!
1: <laughs> uh, proverbial cousin. We oh, believe. sorry,
0: different Di Virgilio. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But Nick Di Virgilio will get his due in the progressive palaver if I have my way, and <laughs> um, <laughs> and and you guys get the idea. Um, uh, a very interesting time, '94 through '97 for progressive rock.
0: All right, and as we talk about yes in particular, Keys to Ascension was released in October 1996. The live tracks, which is what we will consider here. we're not going to consider the uh, or I'm sorry the studio tracks. we're not going to consider the live tracks. The studio tracks were produced by Yes and the album was released on the label Essential featuring John Anderson, Steve Howe, Chris Squire, Rick Wakeman, and Alan White. Track listing is Be The One, which has three parts, The One, Humankind, and Skates, and That That Is, featuring Togetherness, Crossfire, The Giving Things, That Is, All in All, How Did Heaven Begin, and Agree to Agree. Keys to Ascension is the fourth live album and 15th studio album by the English rock band Yes. It was released as a double album in October 1996 on Essential Records after guitarist Steve Howe and keyboardist Rick Wakeman returned to the band in mid-1995. The group relocated to Anderson's hometown of St. Louis Obispo, California, and started writing and rehearsing for a new studio album. The reunion for of this particular lineup was promoted with three shows at the city's Fremont Theater in March 1996, the five's first live performance together since 1979. The features half of the live set from the 1996 shows and two studio tracks, which marked a return to producing long-form pieces. Keys to Ascension received a mostly positive reception from music critics and reached number 48 on the UK Albums Chart and number 99 on the Billboard 200. Yes supported the album with a media tour, which included live performances at record stores and television and radio appearances and a same-titled home video of the concerts. After further studio tracks were completed in 1996 and 1997, these and the second half of the 1996 live set was released on the follow-up album Keys to Ascension 2. The studio tracks from both Keys to Ascension albums were compiled on Keys Studio, and both albums were packaged in their entirety in 1998 and 2010, the latter with the concert video as a bonus disc. Which takes us to Keys to Ascension 2, released in November 1997. The studio tracks here were produced by Billy Sherwood. This was also released on the Essential label. Um, Lineup remains the same. John Anderson, Steve Powell, Chris Squire, Rick Wakeman, and Alan White. Track listing is Mind Drive, Footprints, Bring Me to the Power, Children of Light, featuring Children of Light lifeline and there's a third part that didn't seem to make it onto my oh i like that no it's no it's just it's just two children light and lifeline oh, and then sorry. sign language is You're its right. own track yep, yep. so I, my my notes are correct good for me keys to ascension 2 is the fifth live album and 16th studio album by the english rock band yes released as a double album in november 1997 by essential records It is the successor to the critically acclaimed keys to ascension 2 cd set from 1996 it is the final studio album to feature the quote-unquote classic yes lineup consisting of john anderson chris squire alan white steve howe and rick wakeman with the studio tracks being the last to feature wakeman in any capacity the album reached number 62 in the uk and just for completeness sake i will say the Keys studio is a compilation album released in yes by in 2001. It is made up of the studio tracks from both keys to Ascension and keys to Ascension two. And then finally we have open your eyes released also in November, 1997. There's some shenanigans stories around that credited producer is yes. And it was released on Eagle or beyond music, depending on which continent you were living in band lineup is John Anderson, Steve Howe, Billy Sherwood, Chris Squire, and Alan White. Igor Koroshev shows up on three songs, and Steve Pokaro shows up on one. Track listing is New State of Mind, Open Your Eyes, Universal Garden, No Way We Can Lose, Fortune Seller, Man in the Moon, Wonder Love, From the Balcony, Love Shine, Somehow, Someday, and The Solution. And I have on my notes here. The Solution, and in brackets, and associated bullshit, which we will get to. (laughs) Open Your Eyes is the 17th studio album by the English rock band Yes, released in November 1997 by Eagle Records in the UK and Beyond Music in the US, following the departure of keyboardist Rick Wakeman and the addition of guitarist, keyboardist, and producer Billy Sherwood in 1997. Sherwood. And bassist Chris Squire started to develop songs for an album by their own band, Conspiracy. They caught the attention of their new management, who suggested to use some of their material for a new Yes studio album. Anderson and guitarist Steve Howe's late involvement caused their creative input to be limited. Open Your Eyes received mixed-to-negative reviews from music critics and became one of the band's lowest-selling albums, reaching number 151 on the U.S. Billboard 200 and failing to enter the U.K. album charts. Its lead single, Open Your Eyes, reached number 33 on the Billboard Hot Mainstream Rock Tracks chart, which was followed by a second New State of Mind. A limited edition with a surround-sound mix was also released. Yes, supported the album with a 12-month world tour from October 1997 that coincided with their 30th anniversary. The band were joined by Russian keyboardist Igor Koroshev, who had played on the album as a guest musician and became a full member at the tour's conclusion. So, That's a lot going on right there, gentlemen. So, so sadly, the the strong friendship developed in the creation of Talk did did not last. And so Trevor went off to become a film music god. And so Rick Wakeman and and Steve Howe are invited back into the mix. And they all relocate as as we talked about to California and they uh, they do a couple shows and they record some some live tracks and You know, we've talked before with, um, you know, we've talked about King's X and Rush and Marillion and, you know, what's how do you promote an album and what's a good single and what isn't the decision to bury new tracks on the back half of double live CDs is the most curious business decision I think I've ever come across.
2: <laughs> it is it is very strange. I mean, you know, you, you a band like Yes who pushes the envelope and and does new things, you kind of to be a fly on the wall, you can you can kind of hear how the conversation w- would would go in a situation like this and you you have people that are trying new things and and, and want to do something new um and there's a, a slight small amount of logic to it, but yeah I mean it it's a sh- that this hap this went down the way it did because I mean I I think key studio is a fantastic group of songs yeah. and yeah. I um I think they just get buried in an album that really doesn't have direction I mean yeah I mean some of the live songs are, work well and there's nothing wrong with them but it's just as a package it just doesn't work and um i can't say enough about that that was a bad decision and just listening to key studio the last couple days and just listening i mean i felt like i just discovered gold i was just like oh my gosh this, this is like, this is amazing and um you just, part of putting out albums is, you know, how to market them. And, you know, you, you have to think, you have to think, of, you know, along the lines of yeah. business. You know, you can't just be, the, you can't just wear the creative hat. I mean, you have to think about the business. And I, I don't think any of these guys had any, it was just a bad decision. <laughs> I'll just put it up.
0: Well, and 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 the the amazing thing is is that Keys Studio which which it it seems so obvious. I mean, it came out 5 years after Keys to Ascension. Mm. It, it, did it really take uh. someone 5 years to say, "Hey, we should just put all this together and, and release it."
3: Well, you know, it's interesting because you know it was written that after talk that, yes, was in danger of slipping back into an obscurity more dark and profound than at any time in their history. Was that Rolling and Stone?
1: It was from their biographer,
3: obscurity. but it does sound very Rolling Stone-ish, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Chris Wells. a little, a little bi- hyperbolic. Um, but, you know, talk talk was not very successful. It was certainly not successful as, you know, the previous... The previous union tour, or the big generator deal. So, this album was put out by some small independent label. I think it was actually like a subsidiary of a small independent label. I think the uh, I think the label was interested in you know making whatever they could off of the Yes name. And they didn't really. They wanted you know original tracks, but they were like, "Well, let's put live tracks on there because that's what it will sell." And and even if it didn't sell a tremendous amount of records, they probably made you know the money that they wanted to from the label standpoint. Um, still in the mid nineties. Can we think so of this any? My, that's my theory.
4: Can we think of any other album that has both live and studio tracks mixed together? Let alone you know burying the studio tracks.
3: Um, I want to say that. The only one that comes to mind and it's not really studio tracks um, uh, but the live album by Styx, Caught in the Act has a recorded track that opens the album and then the rest of the album is live. Yeah. And, I, and, and It was also a, sort of a gimmick that bands did I would say throughout the 80s and you know, maybe in the early 90s if they still did Greatest Hits albums where your bands would have a greatest hits album and then, and they would have like one new track or two new tracks that they would put on it. And it would, that would sort of bookend the great, the greatest hits component. But you're right. It's not really common to have like, especially in keys to ascension two where you have, you know, a full album of, of live music and then a full album of, of
0: recorded new, new recorded material. It is oh, odd.
4: It's a screwy well, idea.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's it's really weird. Now, I, I can think of two examples in my own experience of that. So Genesis Three Sides Live, although that's only the North American version that has Three Sides Live. Um, I want to say that the European version actually had Four Sides Live, which doesn't make any sense at all. But that's neither here nor there. And um, around this time, The Fix had an album called React, which was sort of half and half and it was it was structured in a very strange way i want to say the first the first four or five tracks were studio tracks and then the live tracks were on the on the rest but when you look at it, at keys to ascension it's it's you know, like keys to ascension 2 i can almost buy because it's one disc of live and one disc of studio and and while i would maybe reorder the discs and put the studio number 1 you know, it, it that makes a certain amount of sense, but Keys to Ascension isn't even isn't even that close. So, disc two starts out with Roundabout and Starship Trooper before it gets to the studio tracks. So, it's really a disc and a half of live stuff, and then half a disc of of the studio tracks. And it's just it's it's very very strange. Now I've that never- being. I've never um, listened to the live tracks on either one of these two. Records. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, um, they're, they're, they're actually pretty good. There, there's a, a series of live albums with this lineup from, you know, well, I guess this is earlier, but I mean, these, these are, these are pretty good. Um, I was thinking about when Rick came back in for the 35th anniversary in 2003 there are a couple of really good recordings from that, but but these these live versions are are also not bad at all. Um, I, I do, you know, for me, I don't like everything in the studio tracks of Keys to Ascension, but in a lot of ways, this is what you would have anticipated to hear when you heard that Anderson Bruford Wakeman Howe was coming out. You know, this is yeah. this is this this is the sort of stuff that you would have thought you were going to get as opposed to what you did get. A John solo album. Yeah.
1: With his friends guesting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, that Joe, that's very well put. I mean, that this is what you would think of if, you know, it was 1989 and, and Anderson, Ruford Wakeman and Hal was released. Um, you would really almost hear the, um, uh, key studio. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but, um, it's a shame that Anderson, Bruford, Wickman, howell you know, turned out that way. But I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm, Oh, I always root for every album that I, you know, from any band that I, that I love. So, uh, you know, I'm, rooting for uh, everything. But when, you know, you hear stuff like the songs that are on Key Studio, you realize that it, it, it's great that they finished on this note, even though Keys to Ascension sort of failed as a package that it me it, it's good that um this version of yes in my opinion uh, i thought was very successful and they ended on a, a bang you know they, they ended a bang and they, they ended with some with some great material that it wasn't just like oh, okay this is okay stuff i mean i was actually really excited to hear a lot of this stuff
1: it's a little dry it's it, it's based on the quality of the performances rather than gimmicks with, you know, it's, it's really natural and as natural as you can get for the nineties. sound.
2: yeah. And there's actually no gang vocals, right? <laughs> you know,
0: how nice is that? Yes. Still can do it. It's they, they, they can still do it without adding a zillion tracks. They still have it. So I'm curious from the Tormato crew and that would be Tom, Jay, and Ken, <laughs> You know, we we were we were sort of trash talking and uh, you know, drawing parallels to to the the keys studio portion, and, and you you three seem to be very very positive about the keys portion. So I'm curious, from from your perspective, you know, what are the, what are the highlights here in these studio tracks? Things that resonated with you. You know, maybe along the lines of tornado,
4: Yeah, I was definitely hearing uh, bits of tornado and even bits of drama in there. Um, one thing that stood out to me was something uh, Joe and Paul said earlier about uh, the bass lines uh, seeming to come and go. Uh, there would be times where Chris Squire would just jump to life, and it was, you'd be like, wow, that's fantastic. Where was he for the rest of the song? But. Yeah. It, I would take it for what it was, and you know it's awesome that he's uh, rocking out at certain times, especially in the end of uh, Mind Drive when they have that jam at the end. Yeah, there were, there were shades of the kind of the goofiness of uh, Torado with some of uh, the keys in, in different songs. it's It's like it's awkward, it's a little, a little goofy, but for some reason I like it. the same same thing that I said on uh, on Tormato. I was just gonna say, I interested you to hear uh, Tom's defense of the album. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, I don't get the
2: goofy part. I mean, I mean, I, I definitely get the goofy part of tornado but I, I don't really hear hear that. So it's interesting, Jay, to hear um, you say that. I'll I'll definitely listen to it again. Um, with um, but I mean, for me, I, I it there's two factors here and uh, we talk a little bit about this with other stuff. I know we also have a same sort of um, ongoing battle about the vapor trails, Russia's vapor trails. And this is, uh, we have some similarities here. What I hear in good. Yes. Is uh, I hear, progressive music um people just not people thinking outside the box and just and do and willing to do something new and exciting but yet not so self-involved and pretentious where it's just through the roof you have hooks you have um uh, repetition, a little bit of repetition with, with melodies, so you can have something to, like a home base, you know, it, which is ultimately yeah. chorus. Wait, wait, wait a I, second, aren't it, you the guy who likes Tormato? <laughs> yeah. Joe, I, I mean, I, I just listened to that today, and I mean, there are some some great hooks in Tormato. I mean, there's some uh, great, great songs in a progressive rock world. I mean,
3: um I, I, it's I incessant, pretentious noodling. <laughs> wow! So I... right, so right before we started this, not right before, <laughs> about a half an hour before we started, um, somebody somebody triggered the Skype, you know, phone, and I was on my iPad, you know, sitting in my chair, feeling lazy and fat and old. And uh, next thing I know, I'm I hit the button and I'm staring at Tom, and um, (laughs) and I'm like, dude, I I was like, are we starting at 10:30 or 11? And we have this little. Neither one of us really knew what the hell just happened. We're just sitting there on Skype, (laughs) (laughs) and so almost almost instinctively, um, I think I mentioned to Tom. I said, yeah, I've just been sitting here listening, going back and forth to these albums. And Tom says you should go on and watch the video for "Don't Kill the Whale" because it's fantastic. <laughs> I was just watching it just now, so I did. I went on and watched the video, and you know the video is pretty psychedelic. They're all standing in the water, you know, like they're superimposed over the water, and there's pictures of like a a whale, a whale's tail flopping around the ocean. Um, like <laughs> they got one shot of a whale, and they just kept using it over and over. <laughs> And as I was scrolling through the comments, somebody wrote, I never really realized that Steve Howe was trying to make his guitar sound like a whale through this, through this song.
2: And I thought, there's whales here.
3: (laughs) And I thought, wow, I never even, I never even (laughs) gave it a thought. Like, like that that was what was going on there, that he was, you know, trying to do some sort of impressionistic sort of move. And I have to say, after watching that video, I was like, "Wow, that's cool! I should go back and listen to Tormado a little bit and see if I can find any more uh, redeeming uh, redeeming qualities about it." So, so, um, but if anything, listening this, to this, Keys, Keys this of is, to Ascension is getting me to, to reconsider Tromato later.
0: So, I, I I apologize. That was a deliberate uh, and unnecessary. Tormato sidetrack that I threw in there completely unwarranted.
1: Well, Joe, <laughs> the, the, the 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 two albums have something in common. They are both beautiful, amazing, wonderful, extraordinary, beautiful.
2: <laughs> 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 it, uh, I mean, the, the whole thing is interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, I could talk about this. You no, know, all night, and I, I won't. But I mean, I know part of my, and I, I honestly, guys, I'm not hearing a lot of this parallel that you guys are talking about between Tormado and Key Studio. But if we're, if someone's going to talk about tornado I'll I'll, I'll, I'll certainly join in. <laughs> I think we, we were just so,
1: we were so desperate for like a natural sounding kind of rocking progressive recording that we'll, we'll take whatever we can get and you yeah know.
3: and i and i don't want to i don't want to say that i you know 100% tried to bait you guys but as i was as i was driving to work listening to this and thank you whoever well this is actually on spotify thank you to whomever explained to me that i should just listen to talk and open your eyes on youtube um but i was driving to work listening to bits of keys to ascension and a lot of this is hit or miss for me. I either really love it or I'm just like, this is goofy shit. And I I was pulling into work during one of the goofy shit songs for me. And I thought, this reminds me of Tormato. And (laughs) I thought, and I thought I'm going to text these
2: guys.
3: (laughs) I bet you will get them to listen to these two records because they'll be like, Oh, it must be as good as Tormato. I want to listen to it.
2: Well, it's very interesting that you bring that up, Paul, because I really enjoy both, but I didn't really put two and two together. So maybe I enjoyed it on a more subliminal uh, basis where there's definitely some same undercurrent there with the two of them. I just didn't really put them together. But I really enjoy Key Studio. I mean, I have to say, I mean, this to me... Is what yes is. I mean, you know, it may not be, you know, fragile or, you know, close to the edge, but I mean, I really enjoyed listening to this. And I very much enjoy Tornado. I will sort of listen with that in mind and, and sort of put the parallels together. Uh, but, um, I mean, I, I getting back to Keys to Ascension, I mean, I, I, I think that, or I should say Key Studio. Um, again, I can't say enough about these songs and I, I, it's, it's really refreshing to me and I, I don't want to bash. I know I, I didn't want to always, I didn't want to be in all these sort of post 90, 90125 episodes because I didn't want to be that guy who was just, you know, bashing. Um, yes, but I, I have to say, I, I really dislike a lot of the albums a lot of the later albums and um i i it's very to me uh, it's almost tragic i mean i I don't want to take this on a a dark note but i I really don't like um this again we're going to be talking about um open your eyes here in a a few minutes this is one of the albums that i just find atrocious
3: well you're you're not alone really in that opinion tom okay
2: Well, well, good. Um, uh, But so Keys to Ascension, or in in our case, you know, Key Studio, I mean, this sort of is the saves me. This sort of like keeps me above the water and it like lets me breathe and be like, okay, there is hope for the later years of yes. And And it makes me feel good that it's still there because yeah fly from here has this moment that actually it has grown on me and there are a number of things that i enjoy but i mean this is a this is a horrible period i mean i i i mean i don't like talk at all <laughs> i mean you guys it's good that it was interesting to hear what you guys have to say about it and some of the good points that you like about it and i mean union big generator i mean these are not albums that um, i would associate with a band that has the history that that Yes has and the respect. So I am clinging on to Key Studio as something that is this reaffirmation of a great band that is still a great band even in the later years we say later years we just (laughs) 1997 20 years ago oh my god um (laughs) so this is still later years um but so i mean i i just want to point that out in either this episode or other episodes when i go off the edge about some of this nonsense that we're going to be going over i have to say that key studio is not is a solid record no matter if it's you know, 1970s. Whether we're, we're comparing it to 1970s, yes, or um, later years, yes. I think this is a very solid record.
0: Well, and 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 Tom, I you know I, I I see exactly where you're coming from, and and what you said, and and what Jay had talked about. The thing about the 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 studio portion of Keys to Ascension. You know when we if you think about from where we came and I'll say you know the, the departure be, began with drama. Drama is is sort of on trend but it is a little bit different. But then you have this this tremendous sort of turn across the entire group. So 90125 was different. It wasn't supposed to be, yes. Big Generator was sort of a repeat of that. ABWH came out, which wasn't exactly what we were expecting to hear. And then there was, you know, whatever you want to call Union, where ABWH even changed from what they were previously, which wasn't what we expected. And it got even, you know, stranger. And, and then talk, as much as I like it, you know, I'm perfectly willing to admit that it it is sort of off trend and somehow miraculously with with the keys studio portion you've got something you know years removed that sudden i mean it's it's literally 20 years from from the last time this this uh these five guys worked together and if you put it on the on the graph it would be perfectly in trend It's it's not exactly the same, but it is it is in trend and that that's sort of surprising that they were able to sort of bring that back. If you think about everything that all of these guys had done in between, that was sort of off trend, you know, and Steve Howe included, you know, suddenly there are moments on here that I just kind of laugh to hear Steve being so Steve, you know, Mm. And hmm. so, yeah, I, I totally get it. And, and you know, Jay, I, I think of you every time I hear Mind Drive, because to me, Mind Drive is if John and Rick had played on drama.
4: That's a good point. I, I can hear that. I don't know what it is about whether it's the sound or just the fact that they they repeat that rhythm uh, for so long within the song that I walk away thinking that, it, you know it's, it goes on a little too long it's, it, it's that's one of the cheesy parts I think of the album is the way they they just uh, for lack of a better word drive that song into the ground a little bit but they they bring it back around towards the end with the big jam um, and how they vary it a little bit uh, but but there's, there's something to that sound too I, I, maybe it's just a recording I'm listening to it, there's a cheese factor there, um, but I, capitalizing on some of what you're all saying, it, it does to me sound you know as as the guy with the least experience with the Yes catalog, that being me, um, it does sound like it's a return to what they do well. It sounds like um, vintage, or the, the the word I put all over my notes was uh, their signature sound in a sense, uh, John Anderson sounds great on this album i thought uh steve howe sounds great uh alan white's hard hitting and grooving and you know doing interesting things although he's not doing anything particularly complicated a lot of times to me it it just really harkens back to what they they rediscovered or or restarted started doing what they do really well on this album again that's how i would characterize it agree yeah
0: I'd, I'd like to point out something interesting as it pertains to, to mind drive and these songs being on continuum. If you look at, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know how exactly they, they label it, but like the, I'll call it the official 35th anniversary concert um, album, which is songs from Sungus, with, with these five guys playing on it On in that show. They, they, they play the first two parts of Mind Drive, then they go into South Side of the Sky, Turn of the Century, before they come back with an excerpt from Footprints and finish up with the last part of Mind Drive. So, you know, <laughs> they they and and it, it you know, it, it sounds maybe it sounds weird when you say it. But it, it really kind of works well to to break up the length of of that track, Jay. So yeah. maybe they maybe they recognize some of what you were talking about. I don't I don't know, but I just you know it it's it's interesting the way they 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 did that. You know, five five years from from when we're talking about.
4: Yeah, that that rhythm that they play in the song, it's good, but it. It's not so complex and interesting that they needed to hammer it home for uh, five minutes or whatever long <laughs> they, they played it. <laughs> I mean, is it even an odd time rhythm? I haven't counted it out, but it, I don't...
3: it's a seven four. It's seven four it? time. But yeah. I, I agree with you. I, it gets a little monotonous in the, in the song, yeah. and um, and sometimes, sometimes I think that the parts of of the songs and keys to ascension. Are feel sometimes a little disjointed um, but I, for me Mind Drive is still a highlight of, of, um, of the studio tracks um, that, that they do I do have a question about Mind Drive is the opening part where Steve Howe is playing a nylon guitar did they steal that from Mr. Crowley the, the, the introduction to Mr. Crowley I think I, they did. I would have recognized that.
1: I think
2: it's the same <laughs>
3: progression. It just doesn't sound that way because it's not like an organ playing it.
2: Nice. Check it. Well, check it I, out.
3: Check it out. Check
2: that out tomorrow for sure. I,
3: yeah. I think Ozzy will be uh, fill, uh, will be uh, issuing a cease and desist order. In
2: <laughs> all right. Well,
1: with, with all that is brilliant with Mind Drive and all that we like about. Keys to Ascension, in Key Studio, I will say they're just butting parts up against each other. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not really sure how the classical guitar intro really works with the rest of Mind Drive. Uh, and I can take John's lyrics into account in some of this stuff, but you don't have the Eddie Offord influence. You don't have, wow, we're meticulously going to Try different things and try to craft different things and and come up w- with with a new art form. It's just like, hey, we've got riffs; they're good. Put them together. Go. Right.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Ken. And it's more eloquent than uh, what I had just written in my notes. That you know, Billy Sherwood was kind of at the helm for these recordings. Yep. And well, for some of them. Uh yeah yeah well. So my comment was simply that, you know, from a production standpoint, producer standpoint, he certainly is no Eddie Offord, Trevor Horn, Bob Ezrin, or Bruce Fairbairn for these guys. And and I think that maybe that's part of why you just kind of get this cut and paste sort of feel to some of these some of these tunes.
1: Yeah, um, I ended up at Notes from the Edge, a good site, a conversation with Rick Wakeman. And um the author talks to Rick, does an interview, and Rick is very complimentary of Billy Sherwood. And I just hearken back to what Rick did. It's the most reserved Rick we've ever known. He was yeah, a team player true. through and through. Yeah. He was just so thrilled to be in the California sunshine, hanging out with his boys. <laughs> and he really, he he, he he doesn't dominate this recording the way he did... Previous recordings. He he was very much uh, a, a listener as much as a player. Yeah, very interesting place in the arc of all that is Rick Wakeman, and we know it's not because he lost his skills. Damn, he sure has them with ARW. So mm. it it was it, it was just just something stylistically that he was going for. He. He was uh, melding with his brothers and, and doing well. He, he did not want Keys to Ascension two to be called Keys to Ascension two. I think at that point he was gunning for uh, a standalone studio album.
0: Yeah, and, and and that that's a great point, Ken, because you know the the officially listed reason for Rick's departure is is partially related to that, but you know I I find it interesting that oftentimes Rick has conveniently placed prior commitments or management issues or contractual obligations that allow him to exit from, you know, whatever, which is, you know, part of the reason why I'm so keen to see ARW again. And and I hope to hell that they actually do release, you know, a live album and, and even just an EP of studio tracks at this point, because... The shelf life on anything involving Rick Wakeman, or yes, in general, as we were discussing today based on my little, you know, impromptu research, which mm-hmm. apparently was already done by our friend Kevin Mulrine. <laughs> Um You know, the, this group, when we talk about bands like Marillion and Rush, who, and even King's X, who have been the same lineup for years and years and years and years, and years, and, and yes, can't get two albums out from the same the same lineup, right? You know, so well. You know, we we have to appreciate what we have here because it's not going to last.
1: When, when Rick speaks of contractual obligations, I thought we just uh, uh, we, that was equivalent to alimony at some point with
0: Rick, right? Wasn't that his deal? <laughs> That's so that that <laughs> may very well be true. Oh, which, um,
3: which, which I think is what, in in some ways. Uh, encourages Rick to get involved with some of these things from time to time. (laughs) And, you know, we joked around with the, with the ARW tour, how the, like the, it, it took them five songs into the set before they even played a yes song that Rick Wakeman had actually played on originally in, in yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean half the concert was almost over and they're finally getting around to a song that Rick had had participated in. You know, and and he certainly you know flexed his uh his chops at that show and certainly appeared to be having a phenomenal time and and just was kicked ass. But my impression yeah. is that he was he was just kind of along for the ride. He was like, "Yeah, you guys picked songs we can do." It just didn't seem to really he just seemed so happy-go-lucky and just happy to be doing whatever that, you know, he was basically just like, yeah, you know, I woke up today and I put on this blue shirt and these jeans. Uh, just hand me the cape there on the hanger and I'm ready to do <laughs>
2: whatever.
3: <laughs> and, and that's kind of the feeling I get sometimes when I listen to Keith. Because I think you're right, Ken. There's these moments where you're just like, man, Rick is really reserved And it's almost like he's just like, you know, walking into the studio for the day, he's like, "Oh, okay, we'll cut some keyboards. That's fine. Yeah, how about this? Sound good? Okay, great."
1: He does have some <laughs> badass sounds. I, I think I think he does really well in the sounds department at this at this stage in his career. Um, you know, he, he he finds a good synth sound and he sticks to it. Uh, it, it it's just a really interesting experience going through here, it, it, not just Rick, but. Um, you have to take into account where Steve Howe is, because he's grown. He's not the unhinged guy with no compression and too much high end in his guitar. He's a little bit grown up. He's been through the whole Asia thing, but he's still wanking. Like, he's wanking all over this stuff. <laughs> so, so he became the new Rick. Um, uh, he gets sign language, and he, and he gets to kind of go off there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, I'm going to say that Key Studio should just be the definitive listen. If if we recommend this to anybody who hasn't heard it, just just go to Key Studio, and it's a a playlist on Spotify, or it's an actual release if you can find it
3: somewhere. And and I'm um, excited. I'm excited about this because I, I mean, even though I had read about it, I hadn't really actually clicked on a link for it until just just now. And I was going to joke around earlier saying I made my own Key Studio, you know, because I made a mixtape of just the uh, things so I didn't have to listen to skip through the uh, the, the live stuff. But the order, I, you know, is not just, you know, the, the tracks from Keys 1 to and the tracks right. from Keys 2. The order is mixed up. So yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to listen to it in this order.
2: When, when you made the comment, it being um, sound like tornado and you're and tomato, you mentioned you weren't very favorable to. Um, I I didn't hear that at all with the first track. So you were probably listening to a completely different track.
3: Mm. Yeah, for sure.
2: Somewhere in
1: Europe, someone's playing a, a drinking game where we every time we say tomato, they win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and and. I'm I'm glad though that that Ken you you had brought this up because I you know again I own the two discs so and I do not own Key Studio, which kind of annoys me because I remember I was in, I was in a store in a, a resale store in Nashville, McKay's, which is the best, and I actually had Key Studio in my hand and I'm like I already own all this why would I need this and I put it down. And I had no idea how rare it actually was, so I'm hoping to be able to find it when I go back there um, this Friday, actually. But but yeah, you're absolutely I right. Think, I have.
3: I think the chances are pretty good, Joe.
0: I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the point is, I have I have also never listened to to these tracks in the order that they are on Key Studio. When you
1: when you're there, could you look for Tormato? <laughs>
2: Joe, do you not like these tracks or like, we haven't really got to that. I mean,
0: what are your thoughts on the studio? Generally speaking, I'm totally okay with them. There are parts to it that I really like. There are parts of it that I think are goofy as shit, you know, and if, if we're going to, you know, force rank these five guys albums, it's better than Tormato It's not as good as going for the one. It's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of tails.
4: Hmm. Ooh, both statements.
0: Well, I'm
2: curious, Joe. Uh, Just a morbid curiosity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Thomas seems
2: faked. Now,
0: talk or Key Studio. Well, do I want a pizza or a ham sandwich? Oh, come on. These
3: which which one's the ham sandwich? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and can we have a tornado on that ham sandwich? Mm.
4: Oh. I mean,
0: you know, if if you were to ask me Tom which is the better album in in all of the quantifiable measurements that you can think of, I would be forced to tell you that Keys Studio is probably the better album and and less flawed, but I can also tell you that I have listened to talk countless more times than I have listened to Keys to Ascension
2: Well, that's probably in part due to the package with the whole live nonsense
3: well getting back i getting back to Ken, you made a good point about how a lot of a lot of this is you know, sort of cut and paste, like one part going to the next and kind of jagged. For me, one song that is a highlight for me, and I don't know if this is going to shock anybody or not, but the song that that works best and I don't think has that same sort of disjointedness is Bring Me to the Power. Um, it is a little funky how it's got kind of a groove and then it kind of stops and kind of there's some... There are some notes that, that are played on the guitar and keys and then it goes into the into the bring me to the power part. but once it gets into that, you get this beautiful vocal melody that's like sort of the call with the guitar melody as the response and then it moves into the, uh, the keyboards being the response and back to the vocals and it's just this terrific interplay that to me is what the classic yes is all about. And I feel like that is one of the songs where all of this stuff comes together in a way that's very unique uh, compared and to the rest of it.
0: Paul, I had, I had a very similar note with regards to that. Um, there are aspects of the, of the lyrics or the, the, the vocals in Bring Me to the Power that kind of make me want to you know climb the walls. But, yeah. but I, I heard exactly what you're hearing with the, the sort of interplays between the different parts, and it really kind of resonated with me as well.
3: And um, l- l- maybe we should talk about the song that that is. Seemed like some people like that one. Yes, that's definitely really? a highlight for me. I,
1: well, all right, before you get away from power, bring me to the power. Um, I will say that's where I miss Rick because Rick has a fantastic contribution in so far as supporting John, and for that matter, Chris's vocal, you know, supports John. And I feel that in Bring Me to the Power, John is a little bit naked. And, you know, whether it's uh, breath or phrasing or in, in, in intonation, he, he went through that whole growling phase with ABWH. A- and he, he really found, you know, Pete Anderson with his, his, his volume and power. And maybe he's a little bit less about volume and power at this stage in his career. And sometimes I just feel like he could use a little bit of, you know, fancy Wakeman behind him or, or, or Chris Harmonies or whatnot. Um, the, the, the sparseness that attracts us to Keys to Ascension and Key Studio also leaves them a
3: bit bare at hmm. times. Interesting. I think it's, that's a good, that's a fair, a fair comment, and you're right, like, I think there are some moments where we talked about his great sounds that Wakeman has, the lushness and the, he's really filling up space, but not in the way that we expect Rick Wakeman to fill up space, right? That's yeah.
1: Yeah, he would add two boards, you know, one in each hand, and making all kinds of... And yeah, a guitar
3: but... uh, over his shoulder. <laughs>
0: that's right. I, I'd like to make one one comment here that you know, may shock some people. It may not shock other people. But I think, you know, when you talk about the key studio portion, there is one area that I have come to realize where Steve Howe totally eclipses Trevor Raven. Is it the backing vocals? (laughs) It is not the backing (laughs) vocals.
3: No.
0: (laughs) And, and you know and, and and again that that's not to say that I don't you know love and appreciate Steve Howe because i have I've have had quite the journey where Steve Howe is concerned, and I have a full appreciation for everything he brings to the table um, again, uh, inexplicable Trevor apologist, that's all well and good but but one of the things that i'm I'm struck with now is that Steve Howe acoustically, is way better. Um, I think the the way he he plays acoustically, the the way he records it, um, it, it just it it has a sort of a a, a beautifully res- resonating purity to it, and and he does it time and time and time again to the point where I just have to accept, you know, the the unabashed genius and you know not everyone has heard it um at this point yet but but really what what started that for me was you know this sort of revelation of of Steve Howe's part on Aqua which is is solely acoustic and that sort of got me thinking about other things and um yeah I, so uh, there are, there are a couple of of points on this record where you know Steve just sort of blows me out of the water with like that so
3: i'm going to counterbalance that a little bit So Children of Light, I can't really listen to that song anymore because I'm with you. Because when I start that song with the headphones on and the vocals are happening, you get John right in the center, you get Chris in your right ear, and you get Steve Howe in your left ear. And when (laughs) I can when I can get like crystal clear and like the funny part is it's just like close to the edge, right? Like that's how all of close to the edge is, and it's freaking awesome. But now, whenever I can distinguish Steve Howe's voice in the group, I am immediately taken to that terrible Today Show video where he was trying to sing Roundabout
0: by himself.
3: Oh. <laughs> he, I, I can't take it. I just
0: can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, you, you've got to give him credit for, for getting on national television to try that because that it. is, I, I, mean, I don't know that Trevor credit, Horn would have
2: credit tried Credit isn't that. the word that I would use
0: to describe no. <laughs>
3: There are very few people who have the guts to
0: to try that song like that, and and he did it. So so yeah, I mean you know, and and to to circle back, Tom. Yes, there there are some things about In Keys Studio that I I really really enjoy. So you know, it's it, it's certainly better than where we're about to go.
3: So so for me,
0: that that is is oh, a big yeah. highlight. It is really a big highlight. It's a longer track. I dig it. See, that's funny. I I don't really care for that. That is. I would I much it. rather listen to Be The One but I used oh, to I be it. really
3: high on Be The One not so much anymore it's just kind of dry and there's like everybody's jumping on all over it's like he goes be the one and all of a sudden everyone's trying to get in on the backing of it be the one and it's like there's only one <laughs> so, right everyone's be the one I want to be, the
0: one. be <laughs> the one So, so my notes on that that is is love the acoustic parts hate the rest oh, yeah. wow Hate is a strong word. It it may be overstated. That may be hyperbole. But I also Dude, have like, the vocal melody is annoying.
4: Does anybody like the uh, tribal drum rhythms? That
0: uh, oh no, that's part is. of that I can't freaking stand. <laughs> ah boo! I thought that was very powerful. I thought it was contrived.
2: Uh, it's kind of like the the mystic rhythms in Mystic. <laughs> Rith-
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. mystic rhythms has no mystic rhythms, really. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an interesting groove, but it's not mystic right?
4: Right. I mean, the right.
0: yeah, so any 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 other highlights on uh, on the key studio before we we finish up on open your eyes?
2: Well, you know what i, I have one quick thing. you know, I'm about ten minutes late uh, from from Paul's comment on the um things all these riffs being a little disjointed. And I I think uh, you could say this about any kind of music or any songs or any style of music, but it really, in progressive rock, I think is even more a matter of interpretation um, because there's just so much more of this going on. Uh, I mean, one could actually, if we drag someone off the street, who never heard roundabout um, they might actually say something like that. And they may like, Oh, it's just, there's too much stuff going on and it just sounds like two different songs or so it, it, it's interesting. And I, I don't think any of us are right or wrong. So I'm not, I, I'm sitting here listening to it going, all right, well I'm going to give this another listen tomorrow with that in mind and, and see if I'm really hearing it as guys who didn't necessarily have a a a stern a, a, a strict vision of, of of what they were doing, or maybe they were winging it a little too much. But all in all, uh, I have to say, with the what um, Ken and and Paul uh, mentioned with that with that comment, I, I I didn't get that. I I didn't get that there was a lot of extraneous uh, parts that didn't come together. I really would love to have heard these songs done as an album during that time they wrote it and cause to see if there was any difference in it, uh, if they actually had these songs in mind as a concept for a straight up album without the lives tracks, mm, mm. if Things <clears throat> would come together a little bit differently. Um, maybe they wouldn't sound as disjointed as you guys are are hearing it, and maybe it would have been better. Um, I don't know. Maybe it maybe it would have been worse. I mean, who who knows? But um, I don't hear this album as extraneous uh, parts and. I, I like a lot of this stuff the way it is, but I think that. But I, I guess my point is that's part of like the progressive rock mantra, if you will. If there is a if there is a, a mantra here, um, that you can hear these things differently, and it's a little bit more arbitrary than your straight up three minute typical song.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally get that. So. Open your eyes. As yeah, I, I, I have personally held this album in extreme contempt for many, many years. Huh. As I have gotten older and wiser, and and you know, helped host a podcast for the last year, and you know sort of learned to look for context and and lore and and things of that nature you know i i think what i what always bothered me about this album is now makes sense to me and i'm almost willing to give it a little bit of slack although not that much in that it you know we, we've talked about you know is abwh a canon album should Can't Look Away be considered a canon album. I think in a lot of ways, this one was never meant to be a canon album. It was supposed to be a conspiracy album. It was supposed to be, you know, Chris and Billy doing whatever it is that they do. And one of the things that irks me, I don't know, maybe that's not the right word. One of the things I don't really care for is, and I can't say beyond this, but I don't really like Billy Sherwood's songwriting in this era. I haven't listened to any Billy Sherwood after this era, so I don't know if it's gotten better.
3: So maybe but, you just
0: don't like him at all. But I I, I don't know. No, he's like,
3: good. What, he's good. I mean at
0: at at the time, and I don't know exactly what the, the date is, but I, it's around this era as well. Billy had his solo album, The Big Piece, which I purchased. And a lot of the songwriting is the same sort of clunky, dragging stuff that you see here. And I I, I just don't care for it. You know, I'm not going to say that it's terrible. I just it's not really what I'm looking for. And and when I read, you know, that this was supposed to be a conspiracy album and they sort of hijacked it, um, you know, it's like, OK, it, it perhaps explains some of of the things that are going on here. Um, but that, that, that doesn't absolve all of the sins that we have. So, you know, while, you know, I, I think we could, we could probably have a, a fun and entertaining and way too long discussion on, again, which, which album open your eyes or talk has more redundant vocal tracks on it. And but what's really funny about this album is, you know, talk, they never let up talk. It's just, you know, all the time. But when you get to, you know, you you've suffered through most of this album and you get to from the balcony and all of a sudden you just have one John and it's beautiful and it's it's wonderful. It's what you signed up to yes for. And you're you're so excited and then love shine comes on, and all the Johns are back again, with you know however many billies and however many Chrises, and you're just like, "Oh shit,
1: you know <laughs> I thought we
0: were just pass that <laughs> oh. so you know it it's it's stuff like that that you know drives me crazy, and you know it uh, for me there there are two tracks on this album that are good and a third that i inexplicably like i think open your eyes is exceptional i think it it's it's a true amalgamation of billy into into the group and it's 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 a yes song that has a certain amount of billy sherwood in it i think the aforementioned from the balcony is absolutely fantastic and surprisingly, nobody can lose. I don't know why I like this song, but I do. The rest of it, Fortune Seller makes me want to drive my car off the road. Man in the Moon is, is I don't really care for. New State of Mind is almost good, but it's just, you know, I'm just like, okay, let's pick it up here, guys. Come on. Yeah. So, you know, I, and, and I don't really care for a lot of the production here. I, you know,
1: Joe, yeah. are, are you driving your car off the road in Texas or P.A.? Because Texas is flat. You don't get into too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> if you come back home, yeah, though, you better be careful.
3: That, well,
0: exactly. You know.
3: So the first thing I want to say, like there is like the the sheer volume of information that's available on Wikipedia regarding this album
0: yeah it's staggering
3: it it makes me absolutely convinced that billy sherwood is the one that wrote it all on wikipedia (laughs) (laughs) so it's funny it's funny that you give such high praise from from the balcony joe because i i just think that sounds like a a uh you know, like a misplaced sort of lullaby that just kind of irks me a little bit. Um,
0: well, maybe maybe it's, maybe it's context. Maybe I'm so tired of just being yeah. thrashed about the head with all this extraneous nonsense that it's nice to hear something. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe I should. Yeah. Okay, let's put it this way. If you were to remove from the balcony and play it next to, say, Turn of the Century, Right. Eh, it probably wouldn't stack up quite so good. <laughs> but, I mean, when you, you're 35 minutes into that's this, true.
4: also... Well, in,
1: in, all, a, in all fairness, Joe, you're a fan of the latter. Yes. Right? Huh. Okay. Okay, so so maybe he's just building up his steam. He, he's just finding his yes legs.
0: Well, and and, and, and it's that's a very interesting point, because listening to this now this time whereas before i never really spent that much time with it and and knowing the ladder which i didn't always know you know i was always amazed that the ladder was so good and open your eyes was so bad but you can you know if if you pay attention you can clearly see you know the path from one to the other and, and yeah you know again this i think This goes back to we have to we have to remember our history lessons. Two members of Yes go in a room and write something. It's not as good. Five or six members of Yes go into a room and write an album and good stuff can happen. And I think that's the difference between open your eyes and and the latter. And there's there's a there's a quote in here. And I don't I haven't been able to find it, but um, Paul, you can probably find it easier on the wikipedia page you know something well, steve howe complaining again about how you know he and john were squeezed out of this because there wasn't time or this that, of the other thing you know as as much as I, I i get a little tired of reading that that sort of story again and again but you know yeah, it, uh, yeah
3: i mean it, yes i agree i it, i know exactly what you're talking about and it's just you know there's two things about that first of all it's just bullshit like if you don't want to be on the album don't be on the album right Um, certainly there's a revolving door that you can get in and out of with this band (laughs) and um you know so whatever but if you if you listen to steve Howe's contribution on this you know it sounds like exactly what it is he was wherever he was and they sent him tracks and he just ripped guitar all over it and sent it back to them or you know it's just just not, you can tell that it just doesn't sound like a cohesive effort overall.
1: (laughs) They should have called it open your mailbox.
3: (laughs) But you know, along those lines, you know, it got me thinking as I was reading the story about this, like John Anderson's, like what exactly is his threshold for not wanting to work on an album? Because if you think about it, like he's kind of lollygagging in between stuff, and Chris calls him up and says, "Hey, we're, we, we met this new guy Trevor. We're working with Trevor Horn as the producer and we're we're checking out these tracks. You, you should come hear them." And so he shows up and he listens to them and he's like, "You know what I want to sing on this. let me be let me sing on this. let's get let's get involved." and boom. And then it happens again in Union where he's working on a project and he needs a hit so he calls up trevor and says hey you got any songs that might you know work well as a single trevor's like well let me play you some of my songs comes over plays him four songs and he's like i need to sing on this let's (laughs) let's do this let's work on this right and then you know basically the same thing with open your eyes right (laughs) billy and chris squire basically have a whole album ready to go and someone has the idea, hey, maybe we should ask John if he wants to get involved. And John's like, yeah, let me sing on this. This will be great. <laughs> Getting the band back together. Well, I, I, ha,
0: and the, the amazing thing is that John Anderson, this throughout this the this story that you just laid out, John Anderson is also releasing solo albums every year. You know, when I bought that that lot of 12 John Anderson solo albums, I didn't even know eight of them even existed. But, wow. you know, and, and he, yeah. I want to say he's got another one coming out this year. I mean, John, we, we used to joke about Rush being workaholics. Mm-hmm. John Anderson, whether you love him or hate him, the guy can't seem to stop himself. That's right. So, Joe, did, did you enjoy any of those? The uh, the John Anderson solo records? Yeah, actually, yeah. I did. I, I You know, i I have found that there are more good John Anderson solo albums than there are bad. Now, there are some stinkers, but, um, you know, it's a lot of it. It I, I find them and I need to spend more time with them. But in regards to this, I find them good as sort of a, a way to, to, in a sense, sort of figure out where John is at any given point, because there usually seems to be some sort of, you know, it, it's almost like pure unfiltered John and you can see, and I, again, I haven't, I haven't spent enough time to really draw this conclusion, but the the little bit that I've done, you've got pure unfiltered John in the solo and you of kind of see either where he came from or where he was going to and how that manifests itself in whatever Yes project that he has going on. So, like, you know, I want to say, I forget what the name of the record was, but there's a record that came out right before ABWH that really pointed to some of the things that were going to go on there. So, Joe, do you want to talk about Igor at this juncture? Yeah, so Igor shows up... um, in Fortune Seller, No Way We Can Lose, and New State of Mind. So I guess at this point, he was, I guess, a session musician. They brought him in for a couple things. They ended up bringing him on tour and, and you know, obviously bringing him fully on board um, for, for the latter. So, you know, and... The the latter I think is spectacular. Uh, I made the comment in the chat this this week. If you really want to enjoy yourself, watch or listen to House of Yes, which is a mm-hmm. surprisingly wonderfully energetic performance by that particular lineup. And Paul, you saw Igor on the Masters Work Tour, Masterworks tour, is that correct?
3: Yeah, so I actually got to see Igor like four times perform with them. Um, But yes, on the, on the master's work tour. Um, So, you know, it's funny, like prior to this album being released, I saw yes in Hershey. And um, I don't know, maybe it was released and I just didn't know or, but it felt like it hadn't been released yet. And they did not play any songs from open your eyes, but Igor was in the band And Billy was in the band and the whole part before the show started was all of that. I think, what did you eloquently say it was? It was the associated bullshit at the end of this album.
0: Yes, it is associated bullshit.
3: Yes. So they would play that like they would have music playing and then like the chimes would come in and they would sing and they would do all this stuff. So there was this sense that something, you know, it was obviously stuff I had never heard before. And you know there was a sense that something was happening with with Yes, and I thought that they that the show that they played uh, when I saw them at Hershey on the Open Your Eyes tour was just absolutely fantastic, and Igor was just kick ass. He just just destroyed it. The keyboards, everything that you would want to hear at a Yes show which I had never heard if if Rick Wakeman wasn't there. So that was pretty awesome. And the thing that I loved about Billy Sherwood was that he performed all of these Yes songs like like a true fan. Like he he would do some smaller um, backing vocals that, that wouldn't be performed, you know, particularly with Trevor Yes. And, um, you know, he was like the second guitar player. So he would add all of these things that you could just tell he was... He, he had paid attention to these songs. He played them the way, as a fan, I wanted to hear You know, the secondary parts played. And then I saw them again um, probably at the Tower Theater after the album came out. And I think the only song they played from the album was Open Your Eyes. Um, but those two shows were as energetic and as exciting of, of, of Yes! shows that I had seen up till that point and definitely I felt like Igor and Billy Sherwood were a, a big part of why it was so good.
0: Can, can I blaspheme for a second with regards to Igor? Sure. If there's one thing that I think Rick Wakeman does not do particularly well, and that is recreate keyboard sounds as you expect them from the original studio recording yeah i I don't know if he doesn't want to or i i don't know but but in my in my experience as wonderful as rick is and nobody plays like rick even even to this day he, he he just doesn't always bring the sounds ken you've made the joke about mark kelly having you know memory cards with every sound he's ever used and i think looking having recently watched. Um, House of Yes, I think Igor does a better job of of creating the sound that you're expecting to hear, or matching the sound that's perhaps on the recording. Is is maybe how I want to say it?
3: Yeah, and mm-hmm. and that's kind of one of the things that I that I was just referring to, Joe. Like they played the songs like the fans, like you know, like a, somewhat of a yeah. tribute, like somewhat of a tribute to them. And the best thing about Igor was, like, like, he's just a badass on the keys. He really and is. During during a, um, Roundabout, you know, during the chorus where he's like... Like, I have no idea how difficult that is to play for someone who's really good at the keyboards. But it sounds quite impressive. And he's up there, like, ripping through it, like, jamming out. Like, yeah, I got this. And then with his other hand... He's like hitting a cowbell that's mounted right in front of his keyboard. Yeah,
0: I forgot about the cowbell.
3: And it's almost just like he's like, Yeah, I got your Rick Wakeman right here, and I'm giving you some cowbell. (laughs) (laughs) Good.
1: So I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad we're good because that's one last guy we have to buy
0: dinner. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. We do not have to buy Igor dinner. So Jay, Tom, and Ken, you know, did you guys have really any any association with this record before it was sort of plopped in front of you for the palaver? I know, Tom, I sort of encouraged you several weeks ago to to check it out as sort of a a, a cruel joke. but
1: yeah, For all I know, <laughs> you made up the title. I, I
4: don't
0: know, I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> have you think- ever
4: heard it? I, I just still haven't gotten a chance to listen to it. Sorry. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay, if if it if it helps you any, um, don't don't bother. Don't put yourself through the torture. Um, I, I can honestly say you're 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 better off. Um,
0: Tom, do you do you agree with me that? And and Paul, you can answer this as well. Do you agree that that open your eyes is at least a good song? You know,
2: it's a listenable song. I, I, I think that you know it, it's it's one of those sort of crowd pleaser intro songs that could go either way. Um, it, it's it's sort of like "Rhythm of Love" on on Big Generator. It's like I kind you could kind of like it if it you know if it was if it took a different turn um, and it it sort of gets you through. The, the time. <laughs> but I have to say, it, it doesn't do anything for me. I would not say that it's a great song. I would not say it's a good song. Uh, I would I would say it's a tolerable song compared to the rest of the album. Okay. And I I, I think that this album, um, it's in Yes's darkest day, and I I think it's it's sad that such a, a great group of people can can come up with something like this. I found it very interesting, Joe. Uh, um, and I did not know this, that it was kind of like 90125 was um, supposed to be whatever the name of that album was. Uh, or, oh, uh, Cinema. 90125 uh, was, was uh, yeah. a different band until uh, right. John Anderson uh, got got involved i did not know that open your eyes was a different band until a certain point which it makes it interesting but as you say there's as you said joe there's really no excuse because at by the, at the end of the day they slap the yes logo on it and put it out and it's heartbreaking i mean i i didn't know it, it was interesting it was an interesting thing that you and I did, Joe, when you asked me to listen to it, and I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, and I'm glad that you and I finally agreed on something <laughs> in, in, in regards if, to if yes. We,
0: if we um, hadn't agreed on this, Tom, we would have just had to stop talking to
2: each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, it sort of, you know, because listening to this track after track, I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking for me. Uh, it, it was you sort of have to do it i mean we're going through this journey with the palaver album by album so you know we have to do it and it's it's fun it's a fun experience uh i don't regret it at all but that being said it was heartbreaking hearing all these songs uh it was just it's just poor songwriting you know it, it's just um overproduced um too much time on your hands kind of stuff and uh i i it, it's a shame, and I guess seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I do agree with you as well, uh, with many of you. I, I think that um, the latter is a saving grace, which we will get to at some other point. But I, I'd like to, you know, end things on a, on a good note because this is there's nothing about this album that I can. Say, I mean, this is just this is really heartbreaking. So, I mean, I guess what I would say is that it's good that a the sort of football team that we know of as Yes, this huge amount of people that come together to form Yes, sort of dug themselves out of this ditch with the ladder, and certainly. Fly from here, and they were able to, um, you know, pull the last couple albums uh, with it with a good note. I mean, this is just a horrible album. Wow. It, it really is. I am um, so,
0: Mr. Yeah, Mr. zotter What is, yes, is there sir. anything redeeming here for you? Sure.
3: So, uh, so I have to say that I remember the night I purchased this this CD it was Friday night. It was late November and it was, it was probably the weekend it came out and I was, um, I had just, I was just on the eve of starting, uh, my, my new job as a sales rep, which was basically the beginning of my career. And I was spent my spending my Friday night as I often did. Um, where me and the former missus would be walking through the Concord Mall uh, in Wilmington, Delaware, having dinner and, like, just hanging out and doing stuff. And I was in a record store, and I purchased Open Your Eyes and This Strange Engine. uh, Ah. I'm so glad
1: you said that. I felt bad in the 1997 list missing that one.
3: Yes. So, you know, it was one of those situations where, you know, you're in your mid-20s, you're out on the town with your wife, and all you want to do is go home and listen to your CDs that you just bought. And you're like, I want to go home. Um, <laughs> and I remember sitting down um, listening. And I had already seen them live, and so I was excited to hear this. So for me, the first two tracks are highlights. I, I just think that the, um, the opening track is, is just it's really a positive vibe. I dig it it's produced like shit it's it's really hard to listen to but it's a highlight for me and i and I agree that open your eyes is a is a top the top song on this interestingly, the other highlight for me is the final track, not the associated bullshit but the solution i right. it's a it's a it's a, i think that's the it's a heavy billy sherwood track. Um, I, I hear a lot of Chris Squire and there's that just that terrific bass riff in the in the chorus. And um, even though some of that song is a little goofy, um, that that bass riff just gets me. It's something that I can like kind of hum and, and just kind of listen to in my head all day long um, the chorus. So, um, that one. And an interesting, Joe, not the song, but the main riff of Fortune Seller, and not the la 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 la, not that part, no. but the music part afterwards, where the, just the steady drum beat with that. Da, na, 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 na. Like, to me, that's just a classic yes riff.
0: And, and, uh, well, so that's, and, that's and, a and highlight for what, me. Yeah, what I find frustrating about Fortune Seller is. The the opening few bars are awesome. Yeah. And then they start singing and you're just like, yeah, whatever. It kind of turns to shit for sure. Yeah, it really does.
3: So one one last thing that I'd like to throw out about this album, because I'm sure you're all curious. On the wikis, it had mentioned that there's a website called Rate Your Music and that you can get on and fans can rate all of the different albums. And of the 33 recorded Yes, Albums, this one was rated 32 by, uh, by its fans, meaning oh, that no. there's only one other album that scored oh, no. lower. Oh,
0: no. And oh, what, what would that albums? album be, Paul? <laughs>
3: oh. anyone, anyone have a guess?
1: Am I prepared to take a drink? Is <laughs> <Does> it talk?
3: <laughs> Is it talk? No, actually, <laughs> actually talk fared uh, pretty well. Pretty pretty. I well
2: think this. It's it's gotta be union.
3: <laughs> um union actually scored higher than than open your eyes, um, quite convincingly. It's actually quite so, it's interesting. It's actually and this it, it finished by a one hundredth of a point less. Uh-oh. So any one of us could go on and put open your eyes in its rightful place. Um Heaven and Earth actually scored one hundredth wow. of a point less.
0: Uh-huh wow now and, did, did did you yeah. also notice paul later on in that however music portal op- ultimate classic rock ranked open your eyes 13th out of 21 in well, I, its list of best yes albums i did notice that but i i did not i did not seek that one out i i tried well, to pull it up and and the website the the link doesn't uh, it's not loading on my computer, so I'm not 100 percent certain. But that is something that that bears revisiting.
2: Well, I all I I have to ask, where does Tormato
4: land in that list? <laughs> uh,
0: I, knew you, I knew you would. I knew I you thought would. For sure,
4: that was at the
3: bottom. So, Open Your Eyes averaged a 2.36 rating, where Tormato averaged a 2.96. So it 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 did a full, um,
0: you know, full half a point better. Where what? does Tails come in? I'm curious. Oh,
3: Tails is is pretty good. It's a 3.49. Wow. Really? Wow. Relayer, Relayer gets a 3.84. People just can't get enough of that sound chaser, man.
2: <laughs> it's it's because of the cha chas. <laughs>
3: wow. I can't wait.
2: I Just can't wait
3: to hear stuff. If you are, if you are curious, the number one ranked in this poll with a four point one three was
0: close to the edge. It damn well better be. Yeah,
3: thank you.
1: Now, what was it that um, vocally Billy did to get to be the sixth man? They, they were a five man band for so long. What was it? You know, you talked about his his taste in the live guitar tracks, but what was it vocally that he was doing? Was was did he did he do Trevor stuff? So, he... so the
3: the one cool thing about seeing them live was that he he was like the token Trevor guy, right? So when they would do Mechanic, Honor of a Lonely Heart," like he would play all of Trevor's lines, right? So oh, okay, okay. And you know, Steve Howe was never really big on on doing that. Um, so he would do that, and he would. He did a lot of the of the those. Um, he did do like the Trevor backing vocals for sure, but he just added a lot more to the vocal. I think he alleviated some of Steve Howe's vocals, um, sure. But I think vocally, like in like the latter, is really where he he, he shines. Really, he, you know I think Billy Sherwood's you know best best work that i've heard is in the latter.
0: Yeah, i agree 100%. So i think that, you know, at this point i think we've we've said more than enough on open your eyes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Blabber. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. As always, we've enjoyed sharing it with you. Uh, I suspect there are a lot of thoughts and comments about these two albums, and we encourage you to share those with us. We are available on the major forms of social media. That would be Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as at progpala there, or you can search for Progressive Blabber. You can email us, ProgPaula at gmail.com, and Progressive Palabra is available for subscription and download on both iTunes and Google Play, and we are hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.